What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show for SureDog.com. My name is Sean Sheehan, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. His name is Ian O'Neill. He's the host of the Owl Triangle podcast over on Severe MMA, uh, one of the top Irish MMA journalists at the moment, uh, and he covers all the, the European scenes. So have him on with me today. We're going to preview some of the upcoming UFC London card. We're going to pick out, I think, four fights here we're going to look at. We're going to touch on another few names as well. Just a bit of kind of local insight uh, into this card. And also, if you haven't uh, seen it yet, I think before this, my um, preview for the upcoming Cage Riders card this weekend will be out with Brad Warren. And if it's not, it'll be out in the next uh, day or so anyway. So a massive weekend in the world of European mixed martial arts coming up this weekend. And we're here to talk a little bit about you. UFC London. Ian, thank you very much for joining me today. How are you? I'm great, Sean. Not a bother at all. And I'm excited for, for the week's action. It's a, a hotbed of MMA uh, fights this week, all based in London. So I'm very excited for the Cage Warriors card and for the UFC card that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, me, me too. I, I really can't wait because if you, like for the last while, we, we, it seemed like MMA stopped in London during the pandemic because we were supposed to have that cage riders card we were supposed to have the UFC London was it Woodley versus Edwards at the time and none of it ended up happening it all went on pause and it feels like a little bit of normality might be back <laughs> now this weekend as we as we get back and we see a lot of the UK fighters a lot of the European fighters uh, on, on this card this weekend I want to start with probably the biggest name on the card and I want to talk about uh, Paddy Pimblett who's taking on Rodrigo Vargas and we'll get to that matchup in a minute because I know you have a few thoughts in that matchup. I have a few thoughts in that matchup as well. I've made my thoughts kind of known on Paddy Pimblett, I think, over the last while and on this podcast and on other ones as well, that Paddy's a very, very talented guy, very good grappler. I think his striking has improved an awful lot, but he has big holes in his game. And it's going to take a lot of improvements to kind of to shut those holes and to go to the next level. When Paddy came into the UFC, I think there obviously was a lot of hype because he's such a character and such a funny guy and all of that, that people maybe who haven't seen his career beforehand don't understand why what it uh, might take for him to go to that next level. Now, I'm not saying he can't go to that next level necessarily. We might get into that. But at the moment, where Paddy Pimble is, could you give people a sense of that? As someone who has watched him coming up on the scene, come up through Cage Warriors, what do you think of Paddy Pimble and his game at the moment? I think it's exactly as you said it. It's it's improving. Obviously, he's a, a top class grappler and always has been, and that's where that's where he's at. He's most dangerous. Um, we've seen we've seen some striking improvements in his first UFC fight uh, in his debut against Luigi Luigi Van der Amy. I think you know he showcased that he has some killer instinct on the feet when he does hurt his opponents. But he also got clipped as well and was also a little bit hurt in that fight. So he's going to have to be very careful because you have a very little room for error in the UFC, especially when the fight is standing. So where he's at right now is is a fighter that's still developing in my eyes. I think that he's not the finished article yet. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to see his progress in the UFC. He's only 27 years of age. So, you know, he has many, many years to garner some more skills, to add some more wrinkles to his game. And and, and all in all, where I see Paddy right now is, is exactly where he is. And that's starting off in the UFC 
and being slowly built into the lightweight division. And I think that's the perfect scenario for him right now. I, I agree. And I think the matchup this weekend is very, very good, which you'll get to in a second. I think the thing for Paddy as well, just looking at his record here, he is 17-3. and three, So that's 20 fights. You know, we often talk these days and, you know, various less. I'm sure other people talk about it as well, how people are getting into the UFC now. We know with three and four and six and seven fights, it's not a thing really anymore where you have to have, you know, your 10 fight win streak or your your big win outside of the UFC to get into the UFC. Now, Paddy has all of that and he's somewhat exposed in terms of, you know, all different parts of his game. And that that's not a negative term. That is, you know, a factual term kind of. We've seen him against wrestlers. We've seen him against good jiu-jitsu guys. We've seen him against good strikers. And, you know, you the UFC test as we've seen him in it as well, you know. And I, I think it had, look, for Paddy as well, there's been lots of injuries in there and and lots of setbacks and different things as well. Obviously, you know, losing to Dad Naramani, losing to Sarnback, the very close fight with Julian Rosa. But what he does have, as you said there, he's a very, very good finisher. You know, he, that improvement, I think, the last time in his striking, to me, as someone who hasn't been, like, atop the Paddy Pimblet hype train in terms of him, his ability, I have in terms of him as a character. I think he's hilarious, even though he's a Liverpool fan, but for me, it can't all be perfect. Um... I think that improvement shows that he can make improvements and you'll have hope for him in the future, even though I think there's a lot to kind of uh, be, you know, moved along in his future. Sometimes you see guys, right, they get to this level and then they get to the UFC. Like, back in the day, there was a lot of it, you know, whether it was Anderson Silva or Conor McGregor and coming into the UFC, you know, 15, 20 fights, and they were ready. You know, when you have that many fights, you should nearly be ready. Even a Marlon Moraes, I was talking about him, you know, last weekend, and I know it's a different sort of level. Paddy is not there. Paddy is not ready. Paddy is not ready to climb to the ranks, especially at the 155 division, and get there. So I think people... In America, maybe who haven't seen Paddy Pimlet in the cage where I've seen, who haven't watched all of his fights, I think you need to slow your roll a little bit here on him. I saw someone recently tweeting, and Paddy uh, retweeted it, Paddy's not just a striker, but a great chin. He's no, he's definitely not. He's way more of a grappler, a fantastic grappler. And if he can improve defensively an awful lot, he could be a fantastic, well-rounded fighter who goes a long way. But at the moment... He needs to make those improvements. I think this fight uh, against uh, Rodrigo Vargas is the perfect fight to make those improvements. Watching Vargas, I wasn't that impressed with him. I know you've watched a bit of him as well. What, what do you think of, of Paddy's opponent here on, on Saturday night? Yeah, I, I really would fancy Paddy's chances in this fight against Vargas. I mean, um, on defeat... Uh, he's a little bit lethargic. He throws some slow shots. He throws his hands a little bit low. He has a lot, a real serious lack of head movement, which, you know, that's going to be open for Paddy to try and 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 and, and get him and get him out of there on the feet, maybe to showcase his striking skills again. But I also think that he will have the advantage on the mat as well if he takes the fight down. And he's he's all around skills. I, I what you don't want to be doing with Paddy Pimblett right now is like you said is throwing him in there with an absolute killer in the lightweight division I think you throw him in there with the level of guy that that Vargas is is probably not going to make any great waves in the lightweight division um, has some dangerous aspects of his game throws, throws a nasty calf kick he's tough he's durable so I mean He's always going to be there, thereabouts. Uh, his fight with uh, Zhu Rong, the young Chinese man, uh, it was his last fight and, you know, lasted the pace for three rounds. 
showed some good cardio, showed some good toughness. Um, not afraid to go for submissions underground, but I do think he's going to be dealing with a, a much better fighter in Paddy Pimblett this time. And I really, I, I could see Paddy Pimblett definitely getting a finish in this fight. And I think that uh, that's what this fight is being set up for. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I, I, almost everything said, I, I think that one point you made about his kind of Vargas's durability and his ability to, to stay for three rounds is a good point. That might be the toughest tefs, test for Paddy. I think he's very relaxed in there as well. Something you don't normally see. I think his last fight was, was his first UFC fight. You very rarely uh, see that as well. So I think that is a very much a plus point for him. But, you know, that guillotine to Tim T win for in that fight... To me, as you know, a non-expert myself, looked very novicey to me. Whereas when you see Paddy Pimblett on the ground, it looks high level, um, and I think that could be a big area for Paddy uh, to to exploit uh, in this fight. And I, as you said as well, I think the striking. I think Paddy can win the striking as well. Now, I don't think by any means Paddy is a, a an expert striker or a brilliant striker, especially defensively, but uh, I don't think Vargas is either. Although the one thing with Vargas is he does counter a bit, which is dangerous against Paddy, so that might be another area. But I think if Paddy's smart as well, he will throw his strikes. If he eats one or two, I think he should get it to the ground. Vargas doesn't have great wrestling either, I think. So, look, I think it's a very good matchup for Paddy. It's a guy with 16 fights. It's a guy with experience. Uh, and it's a guy he really should be beating, in my opinion, at this stage of his career where he needs to be and uh, he needs to be moving forward. Right. Uh, we leave Paddy Pimble at that. I think we both think he's, he's going to win that. I'll have the bet and show out, obviously, this week as well. And I'll be giving some of my bets. The next guy and the next fight I want to talk about is Gunnar Nelson versus Takashi Sato. Uh, Sato has taken this on, on short notice. Gunny was supposed to, to fight, uh, was it Claudio Silva you think he was supposed to fight here? This is Gunny Nelson's first fight since September 2019. So he's been a long, long, long time uh, out of the cage. He lost to Gilbert Burns in that fight and lost to Leon Edwards in the fight before that. He hasn't got a win since his uh, win over Cowboy Oliveira back in 2018. And he lost to Ponzinibbio before that. So since, you know, 2016 almost he's, he's only two wins in the cage and for a, a fighter like Gunny Nelson who was right up there at the very top of the division uh, for, for a good while you know Gunny was probably ranked for what three or four years in that top 15 it has been a very barren few years and a very tough few years of more injury with injury and everything like that but Gunny is a good fighter isn't he he's a well rounded fighter I know you know you've, you've been on the local scene fighting even amateurs on the local scene coming up and Gunny's been on cage contender and all that obviously we know training here in Ireland uh, in SPG Ireland he's actually been back uh, a couple of months ago training here as well so you know with the world opening up again it's great for Gunny and great for the team here in Ireland as well to be able to train with him but it's great to see Gunny back and he's a fighter you know when he's at his best Gunny has a massive upside he's a good striker an unbelievable grappler and going in here against Sato I think he will fancy his chances but what are you expecting to see out of Gunny after such a, a long time away it's a good question because uh, I, after being away for so long is he going to come back with, uh, as maybe a little bit of a different fire like he'll always have his he'll always have his like karate based stance he's always quick coming in and out and, and you know what he's really and truly known for is his Brazilian jiu-jitsu skills and, and, and legendary Brazilian jiu-jitsu skills. I mean, back in the day on the scene, you know, he came over from Iceland, was training in SBG. He was just like this mysterious person who didn't say or do a whole lot and wasn't really that outspoken and there's a man a few words. But when he got in there and he got in and was competing in the cage, if he got the fight down to the ground, it was over before anybody even knew it. Like, 
So if you ask me what I'm expecting to see, I'm expecting to see, I'm expecting to see Gunnar Nelson go in there and and make as probably as short a work of this fight as he possibly can. And I believe his 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 methods of doing that will be taking Sato down and will be using his jiu-jitsu skills to get him out there as quickly as possible. Uh, I'm wondering, does, on the other end, I'm wondering, does he want to get that cage time? How comfortable is he going to be? He's been away for a long, long time now. Is he going to be want, wanting to just go in there, get the win? Or is he going to want to get that cage time? I would expect it would be get in there, get the win, get the job done as quickly as possible, get the nerve settled. Like, I mean, two years away, he might be nervous. He had a lot of back injuries and, and, and stuff. And two years is a long time to be away. The game changes quickly in MMA as well. But I, similar enough to Paddy Pim that this is a very winnable fight for Gunnar Nelson. When you're talking about him coming in and fighting the likes of Leon Edwards and Gilbert Burns in his last couple of fights, those are elite level fighters in, in, in the welterweight division. And, and Sato is obviously not one of those. But still a good fighter and a dangerous fighter on the feet as well at times. So I would expect Gunnar Nelson to just buy his time, shoot in for a double leg, let take down, probably take the back of Sato and get the submission. Rear yeah. naked choke. I'll even call the submission. The rear, rear naked choke. choke. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, I, I think Gunny Nelson will probably be looking for a bit of cash maybe in the next fight. I think this one is all about getting the win. Uh, 100%. Actually, you know, you look at Sato's record on you, it's hard to look past that three of his four losses have been by submission. When you're fighting someone as good as Gunny Nelson, that is probably not the best stat to have. But I, I just see here, he's training out of Sanford MMA now. I'm not sure how long he's been training out of Sanford MMA, but, you know, as we've seen here in Ireland with Ian Gary and look at look at the training partners they have over there you know you see him Ian Gary rolling with Cyborg um, uh, Cyborg Santos and you see him rolling with uh, Gilbert Burns and other, you know Vicente Luque and others there as well I'm sure Sato is doing the same thing and he's probably improving as well so you know Gunny Nelson has been kind of stuck in Iceland for two years now there's some good training there as well but he's not getting that level of training week in week out He's been injured as well, so he hasn't been getting any training week in, week out for a good while. I know he's been back a while now, and obviously he came over to Ireland, as I mentioned, and stuff. But, you know, it, as you said, could Gunny Nelson be a different fighter? Like, he could be a different fighter positively, or he could be a different fighter negatively. You never know. So I'm interested to see what happens here. Whereas, you know, with Sato, you think he would be improving as a guy who's only, you know, 31 years of age, relatively young, who's been fighting regularly for the last, you know, for the last couple of years. Although he, he didn't, he hasn't fought since November 2020. So I, what am I talking about? Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I, I agree with you as well on the field. I think he's a similar enough fighter to Gunny Nelson on the field. He kind of has that sideways stance, does fight out of the southpaw stance, uh, though. And I think it could be a fun fight on the field. You know, I think there'll be a lot of kicking, <clears throat> a lot of kind of backhands being thrown in that one. And um, you know, if if Sato if Sato can go in there and make it uncomfortable in the early stages of the fight, you know. You don't know what, what, what Gunnar Nelson is going to be thinking. He might be a little bit nervous and a bit apprehensive at the start of the fight, being away for, for two years and, and being injured and not knowing how his body is going to respond to different things when it comes to the fight. If Sato can make it uncomfortable, that's probably the best route to his success, try and get him out of there early if he can clip him on the feet or something like that. But I, I think really any... Any sign of danger at all on the feet from Gunnar Nelson, we're going to see him drop down and, and take the fight down instantly, I think. Yeah, and Sato is a finisher as well, you know. Um, 
what is it, 13 of his 15 wins have come inside the distance, 11 KOs. So, you know, you, you could be right there. He could be coming straight out. Like a lot of his, he knocked out Jason Witten around, knocked out Ben Saunders in two rounds, knocked, you know, all of his, uh, th- those two UFC wins, but all of his wins before that, a lot of them in a row, all by uh, by early knockout. So um, this is an interesting fight. You know, I'm watching a bit of Sado, you know, it's, I, I think he does look like he look does look like a winnable fight for Gunny Nelson, but looking at his record, looking at some of the guys he's fought and beaten, it mightn't be as easy. So an, an interesting fight and a, a good fight to see, I suppose, where Gunny Nelson is at this stage of his career. Uh, right, let's move to two of the top prospects for me in all of, of the UFC, and that's Jai Herbert uh, and Ilya Taporia. When I saw this fight was made... Look, I think anyone in this side of the world who's known Jai Herbert from his cage where he is, is like, why is he getting so many tough matchups? It, it feels like every time there's a Jai Herbert fight announced, it's tougher and tougher. And I fought Trinaldo, he fought uh, Hinata Maikano, he fought Kamawardi. Who's He was supposed to fight someone else here. Who was it? He was supposed to fight someone really, really tough here as well. But then that person went out and he got fucking, um, he got uh, Elia Tapuria, which is an even tougher yeah. matchup again, so... He was supposed to fight Mike Davis, I think, yeah, in this a, fight. Mike Davis yeah. was forced and That was a tough fight as well, but whew, this is a, quite a tough fight as well for Jai this time around. It's a banger of a fight. You know, look, the one thing as well, I must say here, Taporia is going up to 155 to take this on short notice. He was obviously at 145, but he fought for the 135-pound title in cage, whereas Jai Herbert actually fought the same night, if I'm not mistaken. This is... There's going to be a big size difference here. I went back and I watched Taporia's fight against Damon Jackson earlier today, uh, who had a great win at the weekend, and Taporia won that fight easily. But Jackson was towering above him. You know, so I don't think he's the biggest 145er in the world. Going up to 155 with the power and uh, the, the boxing prowess that Joe Her- Jai Herbert has, I think that could be a little bit of a problem for Taporia. And that, we'll, look, we'll get into the rest of it. On that side of it, what do you think, Ian? Because... It's it's not you. It's something we don't really see often in in the UFC these days, especially at these sort of weight classes. Someone with such maybe a size and, and power advantage. Now we'll see how long that lasts once the Poirier gets in there, because the Poirier hits bloody hard as well. But um, a lot of people might be writing off Joy Herbert here. They they really shouldn't be, should they? Definitely not. No, I definitely think it would be foolish to write off Jai Herbert. Like, and the the biggest X factor in this fight is the the jump up and wait for Ilya Taporia. Um, you know, he's been looking sensational in the featherweight division, and you know, fair play to him as well for going up, jumping up weight class. Like you said, we don't see it too often, and he's been on a hell of a tear in the featherweight division too. You know, so he is taking a chance by moving up in weight class. I think. No matter what the skill set is, once you move up that weight class, you are taking that extra little bit more of a, of a risk going in against the bigger guy. Um, you know, Taporia's natural weight is probably in around 155, 160, where Jai Herbert will be in the cage. He will be much bigger. He will be much taller. And I think the key for him in this fight is to, to use his jab and use his length as good as he can and as good as we've seen him do in Cage Warriors and in UFC in the past. And, and you know, he doesn't... Taporia will like to... He will want to come in. He will want to smother him. He will want to bombard him with punches and look for the takedown and keep him guessing. I think... But Joy's keys to success is distance control and the jab, and that will keep the Poria away from him in this fight. But I'm very interesting to see, you know, on the other end of the stick for Taporia, you know, how much has he been draining himself to get down to 145? He had the missed weight in, in, in his last fight, I believe. And, you know, it might 
we might see a new rejuvenated Ilya Tapuria here, but it's a, it's a fascinating matchup. I definitely wouldn't rule out Jai Herbert, but you know, both both fighters have their hands full in different ways here in this fight. It, it reminds me a little bit of the the Barracks versus Mads Burnell matchup we saw last week at Bellator, where you've kind of one long rangy guy who's want, going to be wanting to throw lots of combos and shots from kind of a longer distance, not even necessarily the outside. And then you'll have one guy who's want to come inside now. Tapuria a little bit different than Mads Burnell. I don't think he's as, as much of a juggernaut or, or as good at jiu-jitsu. He, now he has good jiu-jitsu on the ground, don't get me wrong. And I actually think he might look for a couple of takedowns here, but what he will be looking for is shots to the body, coming up inside, body, body, head, things like that, you know, combinations inside. This this has fun fire written all over it. Really, really has. It's one of those fights that I hope it doesn't end early. I, I kind of want to see three rounds of this, you know, it's one of those fights. And I think you brought, broke it down perfectly there about what Jai Herbert needs to do and what Tapuria needs to do as well. I'd be interested to see, you know, look, Tapuria has beaten, uh, as I mentioned, Damon Jackson. He's beaten Ryan Hall. Those guys, look, we saw Damon Jackson the weekend. He's talking about uh, fighting Edson Barboza. He's talking about ranked guys. Ryan Hall was ranked in that fight, uh, if I'm not mistaken, although it's a year ago now nearly. So uh, things change a lot in a year. But... It'll be interesting to see if he does move away from that division. That Ryan Hall fight, I'm pretty sure, was on short notice as well, if I'm not mistaken. Where, uh, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And Jai, I'm interested to see if Jai Herbert, or, sorry, if uh, Taboria does make a home at 155, or if he goes back down. Like, if he loses, he's probably going straight back down. If he wins, you never know. But this, to me, like, this this is fight at night written all over it, if it goes those three rounds, and I really, really hope it does. But... What an absolute banger of a fight. I think if if you don't know... if You, you probably know Taboria. If you don't know Jai Herbert, I think you should know him. He's a way better fighter than his record in the UFC suggests. And uh, this uh, this one should be fun. Um, right. The last fight we're going to talk about in, in, in depth is the co-main event. We leave the main event. I'm sh- the, the lads have already done, I think, the, the preview. Uh, so please go and listen to that with Chilean and Duffy. They've broken down the whole card. So we were kind of looking at it here from more uh, of a, a, a European or local uh, point of view. And, you know, we'll, we'll touch on Aspinall in a second towards the end and we'll touch on one or two other fighters. But I want to talk about uh, Ireland Allen versus Dan Hooker. What a fight this is. Instead of a fighter going from featherweight up to lightweight, we have a fighter coming from lightweight down to featherweight and Dan Hooker. Obviously, he's fought there before. But one thing I noticed, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on it, when I look at Ireland, Arnold Allen, and it's hard, why is Ar- Arnold Allen? Why is it always hard for me to say that? I don't know why. Uh, I just look at his strength. He is such a strong fighter. And there's lots of other things. He's one of the most well-rounded fighters in that division. Make no mistake about it. Good wrestler, good jiu-jitsu, good strike and hits hard, can take a shot. But he is so strong. Like, he picked up Sadiq Yusuf and he put him on the ground easier than I've ever seen anyone doing it. And, you know, if people don't know, his father is like a strong man, isn't he? So I'm, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's a bit genetic more than anything else as well. But talk to, talk to us about Ireland. I feel like we know Dan Hooker. We don't need to talk that much about Dan Hooker. Everyone's seen 10, 15 Dan Hooker fights at this stage. Tell us about Ireland Allen. What do you think of him as a fighter and how good do you think he can be? I looked back at a couple of Arnold Allen's fights and I've seen his progression throughout his career as well. And I would honestly have the opinion that Arnold Allen probably would be the most complete fighter we've ever seen out of the UK ever so far. Like you said, some really good striking, really strong wrestling, great grappling as well. Like, like look at the muscles on his back. His back is huge. And to go in there, look at, 
he was a little bit tired at the at the end of the Yusuf fight, but Yusuf is as strong as a bull in there. We've not seen Yusuf being handled the way he got handled in the grappling exchanges and also hurt him multiple times on the feet as well. Has a beautiful left hand and has a beautiful left kick that follows that left hand as well. He gets you thinking about that left straight, but then he disguises that head kick. That's the, Those are his two greatest weapons on the feet that I've been most impressive with. Um you know, he's just a complete package uh, fighting out a tri-star. You can see the mold that, that Farah Sahabi is, 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 is mold, the fighter he's molding him into. You know, reminiscent of some GSB aspects, light on the feet, strong in the wrestling exchanges. And just to reiterate what I said again, honestly, one of the most complete fighters I've ever seen coming out of the UK. Yeah, he's up there with Alistair Overeem as the UK's greatest ever fighter. Definitely. Uh, but I would agree. I, uh, and I think we've actually talked about this a little bit before, and it's hard to disagree with that. Look, obviously, Bisping is right up there as well. And, you know, I probably think a few more Brad Pickett and, and the likes, but I, I would agree. I, I think he's the best as well. He's absolutely fantastic. But this this is a real, real test. Now, he's had some good tests. He's fought Yusuf. He's fought Gilbert Melendez. You know, beating Mads Brunel. We saw how good Mads Brunel was last weekend. And, you know, he's beaten uh, he's beaten others as well along the way. But, you know, this is a big, big test against someone who, you know, is used to fighting bigger guys, stronger guys. You know, he fought Islam Makachev in his last fight, last fight to Dan Hooker. He beat Nazrat Hakparas, who I believe. Has he gone up to 170 now? I don't know, but he's a, he's a bigger guy anyway. He's he's beaten Felder, beaten Naya Quinta, beaten James Vick, beaten Gilbert Burns, for God's sake. The, arguably the, you know, the second best uh, welterweight in the world. Maybe maybe the third or fourth, but one, one of them anyway. This is a real, 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 real test for Ireland Allen. And if he can pass this, I can't see him being too far away from a title shot. You know, you never know what's going to happen with Max Holloway. And, you know, obviously the Korean Zombie versus uh, Volkanovski is coming up here as well. But this is a massive fight for him. I think it should be main event, personally. Uh, I think this is the best fight uh, on the top of the card. This is the most high-level fight on the card. And we've seen some unbelievable featherweight fights. Uh, you know, we saw the Burnell fight uh, last week against Barrocks. We saw, the, well, Yusuf and Caceres wasn't great, but we have, this weekend coming up, we have Paul Hughes uh, versus uh, Vucinic as well for the Unified Cage Warriors title. And then we have this, an unbelievable week for the, the featherweight division all around the world. And I really, really, really can't wait to see that. So those are kind of the four fights to me that stick out here. And we'll mention one or two other couple of things before we go. The main event, let, let's mention mention that quickly and Tom Aspinall Ian do you think it's a little bit quick for Tom Aspinall do you think they've moved him right do you think the matchmaker by the UFC has been good to get him in there he's only 13 fights into his career we've seen what happened with Francis they've moved him quick, too quickly we've seen what happened with Cyril Gagne they moved him too quickly okay he's beaten Arlovsky he's beaten Spivak and he's won what four fights in a row now in the UFC but is it the right time and is this the right matchup it's it's a question that I'd probably be able to answer a little bit better after the fight happens. Sunday, I think. Sunday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think in probably moving him up, I wouldn't have minded him seeing maybe fighting a lower ranked opponent. But in order to make this the main event they wanted, they've thrown him in there with Volkov, a former champion, um, you know, a very experienced fighter. Uh, a guy who has faced adversities and is massively experienced. And for Tom, he's he's impressed me a lot in his UFC tenure so far. Like, 
really impressive boxing. Obviously, you know, he's had some previous boxing experience, but shows some killer instinct on the feet, shows some killer instinct if the flight hits the mat. We've seen that in the Arlovsky fight. Um, and, you know, I think it is the right time because even if it, I, I think it is the right time now, because even if it's not the right time, he'll have a chance to bounce back. If you know what I'm saying, that kind of yeah. way, it's, I, if it is too much too soon for him, he'll find out on Saturday night. But you know what? There's going to be plenty of time for him to come back. And, and, and you know, he's only 28, Tom Aspinall. He'll have time to reassess things. He has time to get back in there and, and make a run. But I do think that Tom Aspinall has championship material, has championship quality about him. Um, and I'm excited to see how he goes in there against a very experienced Falkoff on Saturday night. I, I agree. I, I definitely think he has championship potential. Now, I didn't until his last few fights. I mean, not that I didn't, but I wasn't convinced totally until his last two fights. But I am convinced now. And that's why I think they should maybe a bit and being a little bit too careful or a little bit more careful with him. But as you say, Come back to us on Sunday and we'll talk about that again. Uh, two people I really want to mention as well. Molly McCann, big fight for her against Luana uh, Carolina. You know, Molly was on a two-fight losing streak until she won her last one. Great win. Molly always rises her game when she's fighting in front of the home fans. I'm sure with Paddy fighting here as well, there will be a large contingent down from Liverpool to London for this card and they'll be there early and she will be getting a large large reception here and Paul Craig is another one I have to mention because this guy might be the most underestimated fighter not underrated necessarily but underestimated fighter in the UFC last week who do we see winning Ankeliev he's had one loss in his career and who is it Paul Craig couple of weeks before that we saw Jamal Hill he's one loss in his career who is it Paul Craig give this guy some respect he deserves it and he's gone in there against Nikita Krylov a guy who's not had the best time in the world on the ground before and if Paul Craig can catch him in a little bit of a dirty arm bar or a triangle you know he mightn't have a great time again so massive fight for Craig I think if he wins it he should be vaulted up that division he absolutely deserves it so that's one I definitely want to watch out for Ian tell us about Mohamed Makayev you cover obviously a lot of the, the amateur scene in, on your, your podcast triangle this guy would you say he's the greatest amateur fighter of all time 100% I mean uh, without question Mohamed is is, is is unbelievable talent uh, had a phenomenal amateur record I mean he he was undefeated at an amateur level he he won 22 or over 22 fights at amateur level multiple time IMAF world champion uh, has come into the pro scene and ha- has looked really good, a really solid fighter, strong grappler, strong wrestler, confident on the feet, confident in his abilities. And and look at he's going to be a major, major player here um, in the UFC. And I think, you know, this is a good fight for him against, uh, against Cody Durden. There's a bit of bit of uh, smack talk about uh, some racist comments and this and that and he's looking to get in there he's got he's um he's got his chance to get in there now and make a point i think that i think we're going to be seeing a lot of Mohammed Mahayev in 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 the UFC i think he's a major player and a phenomenal talent overall and if you don't know him check him out uh I look back at a couple of these amateur fights there's plenty of fights out there he's been very successful so far in his professional career as well and I'm very excited to see his, his progress in the UFC yeah he beat Blaine O'Driscoll who was the Irish fighter of the year two years ago in his last fight uh, over in Brave so he's very very talented he's a guy I think he's only 21 22 years of age 
still has lots of improvements to do as any 21 22 year old would do but he's a dominating wrestler and he doesn't care when he comes forward he hits hard because he has that wrestling background very talented guy you have to be tuning in uh for this fight mike grundy americani as well as you know a good kind of mid-level featherweight fight i would say both guys probably fighting for their jobs over the next couple of fights so that's a big one for him Corey mckinna uh, against uh, Elise Reed. that I think that's a good fight for McKenna there. I think she should be uh, winning that. And the last two guys I, I want to mention here, two guys who kind of came up at at different steps, but around the same time through Cage Warriors, Jack Shore and Nathaniel Wood. I remember seeing Nathaniel Wood uh, fighting here in Ireland uh, against Alan Philpott all the way back in 2016 and watching a few of his fights. And, you know, he he didn't have the best record in the world at that time. Although he brought, what was he, like seven or eight and two maybe or something like that, or 10 and two maybe. Uh, and Alan Philpott beat him. Uh, and I remember thinking, this guy is going to end up in the UFC and this guy is going to end up a very, very good fighter. And he's won an absolute ball of fights since then. Okay, he lost to Casey Kenny, he lost to John Dodson. Um, and the Casey Kenny fight was, was relatively close last time. Uh, but he's beaten Andre Yule, beaten John Castaneda. This is a big fight for him. And for Jack Shore too, 15-0 and 0 now uh, in his career. He's some good wins, beating Hunter Azor, beating Aaron Phillips uh, after his UFC debut against uh, Nolene Hernandez. It, these two guys are kind of, I, I think especially um, Jack Shore at the moment, maybe one or two big wins away from getting to a level where he's getting a name to push up the rankings. I think it's a big time for both. What What are your thoughts on, on both Shore and, uh, and Nathaniel Wood? Two phenomenal talents. Like, uh, you know, Nata- like you, I was really excited to, for Natalia, Nathaniel Wood when he entered into the UFC. I you know, I saw some facets of his game where I thought he was going to make a real run uh, when he got in there. Now, things haven't worked out for him uh, in some aspects. You know, he, he's he's lost against Dodson, was unlucky. I thought he was winning that fight until he got clipped. You know, he learned from that. Casey Kenny is a decent fighter as well. I mean, no shame losing against someone like Casey Kenny either. But, you know, this is his chance to get back in there, uh, get back in the win column, start putting another run together. And um, I think that, you know, if if he gets a couple of things right, he will be able to put a run together and he will be able to move up the, the rankings there in the bantamweight division. So, you know, Vince Morales is a, is a tough opponent as well. Um, he's he's beat Lou Smoker in his last fight, which is no joke either. Lou Smoker is a pretty decent fighter, but, you know, um, I think... Yeah, this is it. It's make or break for an Italian world here now. He needs to start putting something together. He needs to get a few wins together and make a, a drive up the bantamweight division for for Jack Shore. Like you said, I feel a lot, one or two more wins and we're probably going to see Jack Shore in the position where Arnold Allen is now and that would be in a co-main event or a headline event possibly in another UK car down the line or something like that. A, a really good, solid fighter from Wales. He's a, like tough as nails like all the welsh fighters i mean um really solid all round comes forward um like never stops work rate is unbelievable um just as tough as they come is jack shore and you know he's on a good run and he's kind of flying somewhat in under the radar there be like at 15 and oh 
he needs to get in there, start making a few statement wins, um, and and make people start t- talking his name and make people realize how good of a fighter he is because he is a really, really good fighter. Yeah, and he's probably that one guy on that undercard who you should be watching. You know, he is a very, very good fighter. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, his performance at the weekend. As you said, uh, the matchup isn't the easiest in the in the world leader. I know uh, Valeev is coming in on short notice, I believe. So, um, fair play to him for taking the fight. He's 20 fights in his career, 118 of them. So that's not going to be easy, absolutely. So yeah, looking forward to all those fights at the weekend. Big uh, weekend, as I said, for uh, European and me. Ian, thank you very much uh, for joining me. Uh, if you want to follow Ian, he's over on Twitter at IONEELMMA. Subscribe to the Owl Triangle podcast. It's available everywhere there. Ian does a great job every few weeks uh, with his co-hosts uh, breaking down the uh, Irish MMA scene and all that. So no better man uh, to do it. Uh, and uh, thank you to everybody for uh, listening and watching. My name is Sean Sheehan for Sherdog.com. And I'll see you all next time.